Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Live from the Danforth Music Hall, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists, live in Toronto! Okay, okay. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. Toronto, you all are awesome. Thank you for being yeah. here tonight. We, we, we're here to answer your questions. Usually we take phone calls, but we don't want you to have to call us up right now. So there's a microphone, I believe, somewhere right up here. If you want to form a line, we'll, we'll answer as many questions as we can in the time allotted by the theater here. And uh, first, while, while you all are, are lining up, um, man, I... I tell you what, we've uh, we've been to Canada a few times now, and it just keeps keeps on getting better. This place is amazing every time we come. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. Go ahead and give us your name, where you're from, and what your question is. I'm from Shortville. No. <laughs> Sorry, you're you're welcome to move the mic, do whatever you need to do. Uh, my name's Heather. I'm from Toronto. Hey, Heather. Um, and my question is, um, I know you both at some point obviously decided to quit your jobs, and I was wondering what sparked that? Like, was it a process, or was there a defining moment for you? What were you thinking? Did you feel ready at any point? <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh suggested that we quit our jobs and start a blog, so... <laughs> <laughs> Terrible no. plan. Yeah, if anyone Ever- tells you that, uh, run, head for the hills. So... Um, did anything spark it? Here's, here's the thing. At first, no. I was rather content with the job that I had. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't even call it a job. It was a career. I worked really hard, and I was really, really good at what I did. In fact, the first thing you do when you meet someone often is, what do you, what do you ask them? What do you do? What do you do? And I had an impressive answer to that question. I was a director of operations for 150 retail stores which is really ironic with the whole minimalism thing. <laughs> and, and so I was comfortable, and that was actually the problem. I, I didn't love what I did, and it wasn't a terrible company or an evil corporation or anything like that. It just didn't align with my values. I didn't know that at the time because, if I'm being honest with you, I didn't know what my values were. I probably would, could have, if you would have asked me, I could have given you a, a good off-the-cuff answer. But it wouldn't have been a lie necessarily, it just wouldn't have been the truth. I would have told you my health is a priority, but at one point I weighed 80 pounds more than I weigh right now. I would have told you that my relationships were a priority, but of course I was spending all my time with networking buddies and executives and colleagues and forsaking the people closest to me because all of my time was spent at work and and, uh, trying to climb that corporate ladder. And so I was comfortable enough but I didn't feel that sense of fulfillment from what I was doing. 
Not that now, I, all of a sudden, everything is a tin and I'm manic running around like crazy, but my life now aligns my daily actions with what my long-term values are. There was a moment when I decided to leave, though. My uh, boss came to me uh, two weeks before Christmas. This was 2010, so I'd already embraced minimalism, and it was uh, over a year after my mother had died, my marriage ended, and um, I'd been working really hard to pay off a bunch of debt, and, and my boss came to me a couple weeks before Christmas, and he said, all right, after the holiday shopping season, we have to close eight stores, and we need to let go of 42 employees. And I said, okay, I'd done this before. We had downsized, right-sized, outsized, whatever they're, they're calling it these days. And when, when he came to me and said that, I said, okay. He said, you have two weeks to put together a plan. So I went home that night and I started putting together a plan. And I started putting everyone's name on a spreadsheet with their performance. I was let the numbers do the talking and the 42 bottom performers had to go. But then as I was doing that, I got hit by this sort of wall of emotion. And I realized that looking at that spreadsheet with just the names, these weren't just names. These were moms and dads and sons and brothers. And they were people with careers that were going to be affected, their lives are going to be affected. Um, and it was like looking at a rainbow in black and white, just looking at these, these names on a spreadsheet. And so I put together the plan in two days and, and my name was the first name on the list. And my boss didn't believe me at first. In fact, he said the, one of the most terrifying things that's ever been said to me, I'm not going to let you quit I was like, oh shit, he can do that? <laughs> um, but after about a month of, of talking it through with him, um, he knew that my heart wasn't in that anymore, wasn't in line with my values, I wasn't trying to judge them, I was simply judging my own life. And uh, I had to not just walk away from that, but I had to have something to walk toward as well. And to me, I always wanted to write. And uh, writing fiction was the initial plan. In fact, I was just gonna write fiction full time and, and there was a coffee shop two blocks from my house that uh, I was gonna work at. And um, then this whole minimalism thing was a, a really beautiful accident. So thank you all for that. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was, uh, I mean it was when I learned about minimalism because when I was having that conversation with Josh about simplicity and clearing the clutter and making room for life's most important things, I was like, oh, yeah, like it was common sense to me, like, oh yeah, if I don't have this huge mortgage hanging over my head, if I don't have a new car payment every, every couple years, take on a new car payment, if I uh, could get out of this credit card debt, maybe I wouldn't have to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week to maintain this lifestyle. And you know, I don't think there was like this, you know, exact spark. I think that's what pushed me over the edge. But leading up to that, um, first off, I want to say there's nothing wrong with corporations. There's absolutely, I think that they can be problematic. I think they're inherently problematic just because money is the bottom line and that puts people and everything else after that. Um, but the, the problem with where I worked is it didn't align with my values and beliefs. And it was at a point where uh, like I said in my talk, I was drinking uh, like uh, excessive amounts every single day. 
Um, and if I wasn't drinking, then I was out doing whatever drugs I could get my hands on. And the reason why I was doing that is because it was like this pacifier, this quick fix to the anxiety that I was feeling from work. And then I remember um, after you know, a few promotions, I um, uh, was responsible for like, business sale. I had a really nice answer to that question too, like what do you do? Like, <laughs> I, I, I manage uh, small, medium home business sales in 150 retail stores. So um, my boss, I was in there for, in his office for a, like a, a quarterly review uh, maybe, like, I think it was like after the holiday season. And um, I remember when I first like, got my sales goals that uh, before that quarter, before the holiday season, I just, I called him up and I'm like, dude, this is way, like you're, you're crazy. Like there's no way we're gonna do this. And he was like, you know, gave me a little pep talk and you know, I know you can do it, you know, whatever. I was like, okay. I'm like, but if I hit, if I hit this, you gotta give us a break first quarter next year. So I'm in his office and I was so happy because like I had hit like 120% to goal, which was, was awesome. And he gives, me my, he gives me my numbers during our quarterly review and I'm like, or the sales numbers for that following quarter. And they were like astronomical again. I'm like, dude, I'm like, we, we had this talk like four months ago that, if I hit this goal that you wouldn't put pressure on like that, this, like my guys need a break. I can't work them 60 hours a week for the rest of their lives. And he was like, you know, it started reaming me about how you're not close enough to your people and you, sh you should have hit 125%. And then he points to this, um, it was like uh, something his kindergarten, uh, his, his little boy from kindergarten had wrote and it was, uh, it, it was a picture of him in like, in like a skyscraper. And then up top it said, uh, my daddy works for, and then the company was there. I'm just not going to call it out because I really don't want to bash the company. I got nothing against them. Um, he, he's, he's a boss. He, he's the boss of this company. He's like no idea. His dad is like, you know, senior VP of, you know. And uh, he goes to say like, uh, my dad uh, works a lot. He uh, sometimes doesn't uh, come home for dinner. Uh, sometimes I fall asleep before he gets home. Like I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along those lines. And he's like, do you see what I give up for you? <laughs> and I'm like, and at that moment, I'm like, wow, maybe one day I can have your job and be just as miserable as you. <laughs> And, and I think that is what, um, combined with everything else that was kind of snowballing up to that point, I was just looking for a way to get out. And when I came across minimalism, that was, that was my way of simplifying my life. The ultimate goal was to get as much out of debt as I could. I was trying to get debt free before um, I left the corporate world. I, I ended up getting laid off uh, a, a little bit after that. But... Luckily, I had prepared myself by simplifying as much as possible. But yeah, that was my goal too, is I was gonna be a barista. I mean, Josh and I talked about being baristas, and then one day we could open up a coffee shop. And, and to me, you know, it wasn't, about, um, it, it wasn't about anything else than reclaiming my time. And in order for me to, uh, to get 
to live a meaningful life, like I needed to have my time back. I had no time to live a meaningful life. So there wasn't like this exact defining moment, but I will say that when I, when, when I found out about minimalism through Josh, I mean, and I didn't quit like the next month. I mean, it took me a year and a half, almost two years to come up with a plan and to work that plan and to really be disciplined to get to a point where when I got laid off, I, you know, I had six months of, of, of savings saved up. I wasn't debt free, um, but I paid off a lot of my credit cards. Um, uh, I will say like, as soon as I got laid off, like I sold the car that I had and paid it off. And then I went and got a car with no car payment, which helped out a lot too. Um, and then got rid of my condo. So not one defining moment, but, but I do think that anyone out there, uh, you know, who is um, wanting to leave their job, it's certainly possible with the help of, of minimalism, but it's not gonna happen overnight, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? Uh, my name is Caitlin, um, and I live in Toronto, but I'm from Nova Scotia. And, oh, thank you. Apparently, there's some people who are fans of that. <laughs> we are too. Halifax is one of my favorite cities, and I'm really disappointed. Lobster. Yes. That's awesome. Great lobster. We, we Great couldn't lobster. make it there this year because of some scheduling stuff, but we, we really okay. tried. I'm there in Saskatoon. <laughs> we miss Saskatoon this time, too. Drat. <laughs> Um, so I actually have a question about values. So I listened to your guys' podcast and like I've read your blog posts on like values and um, have like used it to kind of sort through what my foundational values are. And I'm wondering if you can give some advice when your values conflict. And I'll kind of uh, like elaborate on that where um, I've moved to Toronto to like kind of explore and um, grow, which is one of my um, foundational values is growth and exploration. Um, but then another um, foundational value is relationships and like all my family are back home and because I'm doing so much here, it's like, you know, you're trying to call them and it's just kind of like hard to balance it. So I'm wondering if you guys could shed some insight on that. Keep. Certainly. <laughs> In fact, I, here's what I'll say. I think it, most of the time we're going to necessarily have contradictory values. And, and that sounds weird to even hear at first. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's what makes life exciting. And, and I'll give you some examples. Like for me, one, you might say relationships or you could say love, right? Or you could just say connection to other people, right? Um, but then also I, I value alone time. Wait a minute. Like how, how, how can I value alone time and, and also value connection? Or how can I value being significant? Like that, that, is the, that is also the opposite of connection, right? If I want to be significant, that means that, I mean, look, I'm on a stage right now talking in front of a thousand people. Um, but, but also, I want to be able to connect with people. And so what I'll say is just because they're mutually exclusive in the moment doesn't mean that they don't have a place in your life. And so you moved away recently, so you're away from friends and family, and that's okay. You can have connection with someone without being in their presence 24 hours a day, obviously. And it really has to do with prioritizing uh, what is most important, important for now. And also realizing that those priorities will change over time. Just like our values change over time. The things that we enjoy change over time. Just before I was, I was coming in here, um, 
I went over to Tim Hortons. So I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and we have Tim Hortons there. And, and I used to, uh, so I used to work in telecom, and, and uh, the guys and gals from BlackBerry, from RIM, would always come down to Dayton, and, and we were also in Cincinnati, but they didn't like going to Cincinnati because there was no Tim Hortons there. <laughs> and I used to really love Tim Hortons, but it doesn't seem to add the same value to my life anymore. I went there today, and uh, I, I sort of felt a certain nostalgia, but I, I didn't feel that like, oh, this is as good as I remembered it was. <laughs> Dude, you're in Canada. You love Tim Hortons. <laughs> but here's the truth. That, that doesn't say anything about Tim Hortons. It says something about me, right? It, it says that my preferences have changed and I have changed over time. And so also keep that in mind, that you're, what you value today, I don't think your values are going to change radically, but I think your allocations will change over time. I've noticed, I can tell you this, since I'm 36 years old now, and the difference between... 10 years ago, to age 26, I, I was much more about we, me, and now I'm a lot more about we. And, and I find that that has shifted over time. It didn't happen overnight where I'm like, all of a sudden, now I feel like I'm just doing nothing but contributing. No, it, it's a slow progression over this last decade or so. And uh, I think it'll continue to, to shift. Yeah, and I, I think it's important that you're realizing this about yourself too, because I go through the same thing, where like relationships are very, very important to me. Um, but I live in Montana, and my family lives in Ohio and upstate New York. So, you know, for me, it's, it's not that I have to see them uh, every single day or every single week, but I, I do try to see my mom a few times a year, my dad a few times a year. Luckily, like, they both live in the, in the, same, uh, the same general area. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, what happens, if you could, like, look at your, your, your values as like buckets and each bucket has its own value and you know you can imagine like water in there or sand in there whatever it is whenever I get to a point where I'm feeling a bit of discontent where like just something isn't right and I'm feeling anxious a lot, or you know whatever that feeling is that is because those feelings are triggers like those are that's your body that's your brain saying hey something's not right you need to figure this out uh, I will look at those those buckets, and I will see I will you know c- kind of see which one is the least full. And really, when it comes down to it, I am as happy or fulfilled maybe as the least full bucket. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. So so it's it's very good. That it's very awesome that you're aware of that. I mean, if you are stressing out about you know, keeping those tight relationships with family back in Halifax, then, you know, call them more. It's funny, I never, I didn't call my mom a lot, but I would go see her, um, especially after I got laid off, I'd go see her, you know, once a week or, you know, once every other week. But now, like, I will talk to her on a very regular basis to maintain that connection. Uh, my grandmother, I hardly ever saw her, like, just, um, like, holidays and stuff. And, um, yeah, just hardly ever. But now, like, I go out of my way to, like, call her and keep that connection going. So, yeah, I would say, I would totally agree with Josh. Like, the, the values that we have, they're always going to conflict a little bit. I think it's about finding that balance, and, and that's really what kind of, for me, like, helps me live a meaningful life. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that you guys came to Canada, and you bring a lot of value to my life. So. Oh, thanks. Thank, thank you, Caitlin. Appreciate it.
By the, by the way, real quick, if, if you're looking to figure out what your values are, uh, my partner, Rebecca, she has a great website called Minimal Wellness, and she, she put up this, uh, her and I, we go over our values together quarterly. I think it's important to just sit down and sort of talk about like what your values are and how they're changing. And I know you're laughing at that, but it's, um, but it's a pretty fucking awesome relationship. Josh loves, uh, <laughs> Josh loves spreadsheets. No, there's no spreadsheet. But um, she she put together this sheet that she that she uses to sort of like figure out like what is important in my life and, and how do I identify that. So you can find it at uh, minimalwellness.com/values. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, my name's Catherine. I live here in Toronto. And my question is, so in about 10 days from now, I'm going on a week-long trip, and I'm starting to think about what I need to bring, and okay, do I need, you know, something for if we go somewhere nice, and something for touristing around all day, and the more I think like this, the more I know that I'm going to end up with an overstuffed suitcase. So you guys are on the road a lot, and I'm wondering if you have any minimalist packing tips for me. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, so, so it's interesting because I'll pack the same thing for a week that I will a year. And I, so Ryan and I, in 2014, we went out on this crazy 100-city tour, and um, it was 10 months of our lives, basically, and it all fit into one relatively small bag. And there was this bag, it's been the bane of my existence for the last few years, uh, because we, it was in the documentary that we put out, and so... A lot of people were very complimentary about the documentary, but the number one comment I got was, hey, where's your bag from? I want to buy that bag. <laughs> and, and at first, it, like, I was allergic to it. I'm like, that's the only message they got is I have a nice bag. <laughs> like, um, we have failed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm but, following the Kickstarter page. But <laughs> the truth is that I, uh, I probably get more value from that bag than any other one physical possession. Now, if it were to break tomorrow, I'd find a different bag and it'd be okay. Um, it's, just a, it's just a bag. Um, but the guy who makes it, he stopped making it in 2012. And uh, he came to us right after the documentary came out. He said, I'm getting people who are coming to me asking about this. I can't imagine how many people you're getting. Um, would you be interested in helping me bring this bag back out? And we said, no, we don't put our name on any physical item. How ironic would that be? And then um, a few months later, he wrote us this really big check. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. <laughs> I was like, he did? <laughs> Wait a minute. No, actually, um, uh, a few months later, he just kept, we kept talking about it. And I got to thinking about it is the one thing that um, if it does break, I won't be able to replace it. So selfishly, maybe we should help him out. Uh, no, th the truth is that... Um, we, we wanted to find a way to, to bring this back out. And so it's actually the first product we're ever putting our name on. But I fill that bag the same way uh, I would for a year that I did this week while, while we're traveling. And here's the thing. Find a suitcase, a bag, something that is appropriately sized for you. Because what I used to do is I had an overstuffed large suitcase. And if you have the space, you tend to fill it with what? Just in case items. I need that third pair of swimming trunks. I need three extra pairs of underwear. I need to pack a suit with me in case there's an impromptu funeral. I, I, uh, I need all of these just-in-case items. And what Ryan and I came up with is something we call the 2020 rule. If, if, if you need something, if you truly need it, 
you can purchase it less than $20, less than 20 minutes. Now, at first, that sounds like a, a rule of privilege. I don't want to go around spending 20, 40 bucks every single day on stuff I need just in case. Between the two of us, we've had to use that rule five times in the last six years. Because the truth is, all those things we thought we were going to need just in case, we're not actually going to need at all. That's my pithy answer. <laughs> nice. And by the way, the, the uh, yeah, I'll talk about it later. Go ahead. You can keep going. You I'm still trying to like think of a tweetable answer. No, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the just in case stuff is definitely a killer. Um, I'll tell you, for me, uh, I'm going to ramble here until I come up with something. Um, so be careful, like choose your bag wisely. So um, I have, when I travel, I hate to do carry-ons. I will not do carry-ons unless I absolutely have to. Hey, you don't mean carry-ons. Oh, I'm sorry, checked bags. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without you, man. <laughs> uh, I, I hate checking bags. Like, I refuse to have any check bags. That's what I meant to say. So um, I, I have only carry-on bags. And what I have is a bag that fits perfectly in the overhead and then uh, a smaller one, uh, like my laptop bag, that will fit um, underneath the seat. Uh, like, but for this, like for, this leg of, uh, for this wave of the tour... Um, I just brought one bag because I can also put my laptop in there and we're only gone for like five days so I can actually just carry that one bag with me and, and put it in the overhead. Um, I totally agree with Josh. Like the uh, packing for one week at a time, like that is a lifesaver. It is um, <clears throat> absolutely why now I don't have a garment bag and a duffel bag and a second duffel bag and a, <laughs> and a roller bag um, it, it's, it is, uh, it's very easy to get carried away. It's funny because like when, we, when, we, uh, when Josh first introduced minimalism to me, he sent me a video from Colin Wright. And when I saw what he was doing, it made sense to me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, minimalism helps him travel the world. But I was like, I kind of like owning a kitchen table. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to have to... I don't want to have to like not own a kitchen table. Like, and you know, obviously he doesn't cause he can't carry that with him on, on an airplane. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I really, I really did admire how he was able to kind of carry everything that he owned, uh, with him again. Like I didn't want to be a peripatetic writer, but it's something I definitely could admire. I really thought something would come to my mind by now, but it hasn't. Um, I guess <clears throat> I'll just, I'll just say this. Uh, if I had to, if I had to condense all that into 140 characters, I would say, um, uh, if you pack for more than a week when you go on vacation, uh, you're going to be distracting yourself from an awesome vacation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my Howdy. name is Marcella. I'm from Langton, Ontario. Howdy. Ori wow. There's Langton! Like, oh, Norfolk. There's like 500 people that live there. So <laughs> they're all here. Um, Thanks for uh, bringing them. Yeah. I'm originally from Chile, but so I, my question is also about more like geared towards kids. What are your thoughts on things like social media platforms like Snapchat and Instagram and how they add value to our lives or if they add value to our lives, particularly when it comes to younger kids like tweens or my son's 10, so he's just getting, he also wants to own a tiny house, but he wants like to be on every social media platform and I don't think that's a good idea, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. That's a good question. I just had, I just had 140 characters come to my mind. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, oh shit! I lost it. Give me a second. <laughs> um, 
instead of being a tool, <laughs> use social media as a tool. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's good. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I, I think, <laughs> We, we can easily trick ourselves and, and we can get distracted by things that we pretend add value to our lives. I call them imaginary values. Um, and sometimes the things that add value today will turn into an imaginary value tomorrow if I keep at it, right? And so one of the reasons that, that we have Jess on the road with us is she helps out with a lot of social media stuff so that we can focus on what's the, the task at hand, what's most important to us. The social media and getting the word out and sharing this is important. It's not the most important thing to us. It would distract us. And so um, my pithy answer has something to do with distractions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reword mine real quick. Go for it. <laughs> so you can think about it. What I should have said was... <clears throat> In, instead of being a tool on social media, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> use social media as a tool. Yeah, that's much better. Jess, write that down. <laughs> Composing. Yeah. So, so, so actually, let me let me ramble on a bit more. Um, I, I think that that um, when I look at. I look at social media and teens, I also see a bit of an epidemic that's going on right now, right? And I think, I, and I, in fact, I feel kind of like this, this curmudgeonly old man where, where the, where the uh, culture is passing me by. And even though I'm still involved in it to, to some extent, I, I understand less and less day by day as, as it drifts away from me. And um, rarely did a distracted person ever create anything meaningful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, before we move on, I'm going to try something new right now. You, all, you, you, can, you can come up to the mic. So, so we just started doing this thing called Patreon, where we uh, have a certain number of Patreon supporters because we refuse to do pod, uh, advertisements on our podcast because advertisements suck. And um, so we're going to do a, a quick bonus segment for the folks who are, the thousand people who are here in the theater, plus the thousand people who are listening at home who uh, are a Patreon supporter over at patreon.com slash the minimalist. So we'll do a, a quick bonus segment and answer uh, at least a, a couple questions here for them. All right, we're back to the regular podcast. That was a, an awesome overtime episode. Thank you all for participating. By the way, Ryan, I was thinking as, as she was talking about getting rid of the, the toys in the basement, um, I was at the park the other day with Ella, and uh, she had this little troll doll that she carries around with her sometimes, and she was at the park, and we were playing, and there's like these sprinklers and stuff, and I was not dressed for it, so I just got really wet. And... Uh, as we were playing there, she ripped the troll's head off. She decapitated the troll. And then, so I, she was then trying to get me to hold the thing. Like, can you hold this for me? Because it's broken. And uh, so the thing I had to explain to her, I said that, you know, there are three things you can do with that right now, with a thing that you can't use anymore. And I had her explain to me what those three things were. You could either 
donate it to someone, right, which we can't do with this. I, and I asked her why we couldn't donate it. And so walking through the whole process of explaining why you can't donate it, you could fix the thing, right? This thing was broken beyond repair. And then there's a third option. And I asked her what the, third, the final option is, and she said, well, throw it away. And I said, okay, well, we can't have the first two options, so what is our option right now? She goes, well, we have to throw it away. But I don't want to throw it away today. I want to throw it away tomorrow. And uh, I'm like, oh, she's not getting it. She's not getting it. She came up to me half an hour later, and she said, Joshy, she calls me Joshy. She said, Joshy, is it tomorrow yet? And I guess the moral of the story is sometimes not everyone's on the same timeline that we're on, and that's okay. And sometimes we have to wait for them to, to catch up. Thanks. All right, let's, let's quickly move on to our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently since we're here in Toronto, Canada. Ryan, is there something local that has added value to your life? Yeah. Is it jo Tim Hortons? <laughs> I love Tim Hortons. <laughs> Give me a dozen donuts right now. I will destroy them. <laughs> um, man, you know, you know what I love about Toronto is that there are so many local mom and pop like restaurants. It's, there, are, there are chains, but it's not like the States. It's, it's not like... Um, you know, there's an Applebee's and a TGI Friday's in every single corner. So I could list a ton of like great local places, but I'm, there's just one that really stands out to me. It's called Hole in the Wall, and it's yeah. and it's over on uh, Dundas. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Dundas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't. That's true. Um, so yeah, that if you have if you haven't eaten there, you heard some people like go whoo because the place is it's amazing. The, um, I actually haven't made it there this trip. I was uh, I, I visited that place the last time we were in Toronto, um, but uh, they had like this and so you love it or hate it, but like there's like this liver pate which is freaking awesome. I love anyway. That's my value added. <laughs> For a second, when you were trying to pronounce the street name, I thought you were going to break out your Canadian accent. <laughs> He, he, I, tend not to, I tend not to mock my audience. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sounds Eastern Rush, like Russian or Eastern European when he does it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it always comes out the wrong accent anyway. <laughs> uh, actually, every accent he does just sounds Eastern European. <laughs> we had brunch today at a place called uh, uh, Expectation. Oh my God. So we're on this really strange diet. I have mercury poisoning, which is really fun. Like really, really, really bad mercury poisoning. So I have this, uh, I'm on a ketogenic diet right now, so all I can eat, oh, yeah. Um, all, all I can eat is like uh, fatty things, and uh, which sounds really good until you do that for 2,900 calories a day. And, um, but this place was awesome, and I felt like I was having a treat for the first time in like two and a half weeks, so... Thank you, Canada. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's over in Trinity Square. And then there's a place, the Burke something right there, like right outside the door and to the left. Anyway. What is it? 
the Edmund Burke, right? Oh, the Edmund Burke. Yes, thank you. So that, I just wanted to throw one more in there because that place is, that was one of the best burgers I've ever had. So good. All right, let's uh, move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We are in the middle of a crazy 40-city tour right now. If you're listening to this at home, uh, we're in Toronto right now, but we've got a bunch of other stops in North America. We're also going to be hitting Australia really soon. Those dates might already be on our website. You just go to lessisnow.com, find all the tour dates, theaters, and all that fun stuff. A bunch of them have sold out pretty quickly. This place... May have sold out on the last day. I'm not really sure. That, actually, we sold out a long time ago. We had the little tiny theater. So for those of you who bought tickets first, thank you, because you helped us get this bigger theater. Thank you. And, and, then you uh, and then they opened up the balcony eventually as well. So thank you all for that. It's amazing. What's that, Ryan? I know. Yes, I got it. Ryan says, don't forget to mention the books. <laughs> So, if you leave here tonight and you want to purchase one thing. <laughs> no, uh, wherever Jess is, Je- Jessica will be out there afterward, and then eventually in about 20 minutes or so, we'll come out, uh, we'll sign books, take photos, uh, dish out hugs. Uh, sadly, we won't be able to answer questions in line, but um, we would love to, to grab a hug from you all. If you, don't, if you didn't bring money for a book, though, let us buy you one. We'd be happy to, to buy one. Have one on us, please. Just please pass it on when you're done. Minimize it. Otherwise, it'll just sit on a, a shelf and collect dust. Um, I mentioned that bag that we were doing. I might, might as well at least talk about it real quick. I wrote an essay called Keep Travel Simple. So that is the first bag, we, 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 the first pr- product we ever decided to put our name on. And um, you can find that essay. It's at packedbags.com. P-A-K-T. It's the name of the company that he started just to bring this bag back out from, from the documentary. Here's my caveat with that, though. Most of you probably don't need a new bag. And so don't buy it. <laughs> but if you decide at some point that you do need a new bag and you think it's the right one for you, then really think hard about it and maybe still don't buy it. But it's a really good way. Here, if Malcolm produces 5,000 of these and no one buys one, I will have bags for several lives, which is awesome. You can become a bag hoarder. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't hoard anything except these 5,000 travel bags. <laughs> what, Minimalism. Man, I do lot, I do... <laughs> All right, we're on tour. We already talked about Houston. Oh, uh, we talked a little bit about Patreon. If you want to, we're doing a bunch of, we do, a, uh, it's pretty much doing it weekly now, private podcast on just for our Patreon subscribers. So uh, help keep our podcast 100% advertisement free. None of the money, zero dollars goes to me or to Ryan. It's going all to build a podcast and film studio in Los Angeles so we can create more meaningful creations, reach more people with those creations, but it's certainly not going to our bank accounts. If you're interested in that, just go to theminimalists.com, click on Donate, and uh, you can contribute on a per-episode basis, or you contribute uh, just one time on PayPal as well. But if you want to get free live streams and uh, free bonus or private podcasts, you can do that over on Patreon. And, uh, oh, 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 oh. Last but not least, I want to thank some folks. The man behind the minimalism is here tonight. He's hiding in the shadows as always. He is our tour manager, our operations manager, our podcast producer, our book editor, 
and an all-around outstanding human being. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast Sean is somewhere in the back. And let's give it up one more time for the Danforth. Yeah. Amazing venue, amazing staff. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Last but not least, I want to thank you. You paid some money to be here tonight, and that's really great because it allows us to pay for a venue, allows us to pay Sean and Jess and security and all the staff here, also travel here. But you also gave up your two most precious resources tonight, your time and your attention. And we're, we're just so grateful for that. You decided to spend some time with us. And so if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Jonah. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Bethany from Maine. I started minimizing earlier this year when I was pregnant. My son is now six months old. After much deliberation, I decided to start a small memory box for him as I have enjoyed having some items from my childhood growing up and this may add value to his life at some point. I will save a few items such as his, as his hospital bracelet, birth announcement, and a baby outfit. As he gets older, he can decide if he wants to contribute any items to his box, but any saved items have to fit in the bin. The important thing is that I don't attach sentiment to these items and project my own emotions on my son. He will decide what adds value. When he is an adult, he can choose to keep some, all, or no items. I will allow him to make this choice with no guilt or expectations on my part. Hi, my name is Morgan. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm calling in regards to um, someone who asked about their camping gear and having all that stuff like in their house and wanting to minimize it. Um, one option that we actually have in Milwaukee is the Urban Ecology Center. It's a nonprofit, and um, this group you donate $35 a year as a single person, and it really just goes towards keeping the nonprofit going. They try and get community involvement and education around um, the environment and preserve the wildlife within Milwaukee. Um, but the awesome thing about them is that they uh, offer free camping gear and uh, kayaks and bikes, like anything that you want to rent, you can rent for up to three days or longer if you get special requests. Um, I'm sure they're not the only city that there's an option like this out there, so just something to keep in mind that there might be even like community groups in the area that help you have access to those items but not have to have them in your own home. Hello, my name is Tom, and I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so my comment is about your last podcast, um, about relocating. So a little over two years ago, I moved cross-country from Rhode Island to Portland, Oregon, and it was probably the most difficult decision I've ever made. Uh, I always had this gut feeling for change, like you bring up in the podcast. Um the part that really made it hard was that my mom was in the late stages of ALS, and I was there for her throughout it. We talked a lot about me moving, and she encouraged me a lot. So I decided to do it, and I was very thankful to have a strong supporting network of friends and family that, that also encouraged me at the time. 
So when it came, the same day I left, I made it to Pennsylvania when my brother called me and told me uh, my mom had a heart attack and she died. So I drove home the same day, uh, barely stopping, and arrived in the middle of the night to see her empty bedroom. Um, it was devastating. I was numb. I was broken. It was, I just spent the whole night in my bed crying. Um, eventually, after mourning for a while, uh, I think it was over a month, I made the decision to continue my trip because I still felt like I needed that, and I knew that she would want me to keep to honor that decision. Um, it was hard. It was very difficult, but it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was one of the most enlightening trips, road trips I've ever experienced. I was by myself. I just went straight across uh, the States, um, taking in everything I saw. It was, it was a great experience. So now um, I start getting that feeling, like that feeling again for change. And then... Um, I encourage everybody that I meet to challenge themselves with change and growth because life is flux and go out there and do your best to be the best you. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing Thing that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have, every little thing that you gotta have, you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes 